He accepted Jesus and said, wait a minute, my brother ain't saved. I'm going to find my brother. Now, this is rich. I'm telling you. Because it says first, not second, first, not third. What did he do? He made it a priority. Welcome to Treasure Truth with Pastor and author James Ford Jr., Senior Pastor of the Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you're with us as today. We continue a message called Each One Reach One. And Pastor, we began last time uh, taking a look at John chapter 1 and just the importance really of evangelism, of sharing Christ with those around us who don't know Jesus. And you used a little phrase uh, that I think is important for us to really think about and, and know what you mean by this to understand that. You said, I didn't bruise the fruit. I think that in our zeal, sometimes we can almost turn people off to Jesus and to the gospel. But yet, if we take God's word seriously, we need to be going and sharing the truth of the gospel with people. So how do you share the gospel in an effective way? Well, I'll tell you what. Campus Crusade from Christ, it's called Crew now. Mm -hmm. But the founder, Bill Bright, used to say this, and I've never forgotten it. Witnessing is simply sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. I think we need to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to direct us, to lead us, to guide us. See, everybody likes to say things like, God told me to tell you. Well, first of all, I'm on speaking terms with God, and if he wants to tell me something, he don't have to go through you. That's number one. I'm not saying God doesn't do that, but, you know, I like to remind people that I am on speaking terms with him. Uh, The second thing is uh, people will tell you that uh, the Holy Spirit told them to say something. How many people will tell you the Holy Spirit told them to shut up? So in Acts 16, Paul uh, wants to go uh, into uh, Asia, and the Holy Spirit said no. Yeah. So he controls our steps and our stops. He tells us to speak and to shut up. And so that's why we have to be sensitive because we'll want to say some stuff that may bruise the fruit. Now, what do I mean by that? When I was a, a young boy, I used to steal apples. Yeah, I said I steal apples out of uh, Mr. Smith's yard. He had these nice apples. And sometimes we would get over there, and they weren't red yet. Hmm. Yeah. And we would take sticks and beat the green apples to try to get them to fall because we wanted to eat the green apples. We couldn't get very many of them, and when we did, we got sick. Yeah. That's the consequences of theft. And uh, But we noticed this. Whenever they would ripen— Whichever ones we hit when they were green, they were bruised when they got red. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I mean by bruised fruit, that when people are green, they're not ready for what we want to give them. And what we want to give them is not what the Holy Spirit wants them to hear at this particular point in time. Then we're bruising the fruit so that when they finally do come to Jesus Christ, they'll have that bruising where we abuse them with the message of the gospel. It's a vivid picture, and I hope that helps as we open our Bibles together here. We're in John chapter 1. As we continue the message, each one reach one. Here is Pastor Ford. And so they're sharing with him, and, and, and they're being with him. See, some of us can't reach God in the heights of heaven 
because God can't reach us in the depths of our soul. See, the reason you can't go high enough is because you refuse to go deep enough in Jesus Christ. And so what's going on here? Can I ask you a question? Say, ask it. Do you love Jesus or do you just have a crush on him? See, it's better caught than taught. Why in the world uh, would he want them to be with him? Come and see. Wow, that's always what Jesus says. Come and see. Now, now watch this. You have to be with Jesus before you can speak about Jesus. Because you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you won't go. And so here they are now. Uh, they're finding out about him. Mark chapter 3, 13 through 15. Mark chapter 3, 13 through 15. Look at what's going on in this text. Here's what it says. And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him who he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach, have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. Let me ask you a question. What's the number one reason, survey says, that God called these disciples? Somebody holler it out. That they should be with him. That's the first thing that Jesus was looking for with these disciples, partnership. That they should be with him. Because in being with him, that's where the process takes place. That the more I'm with somebody, show me your friends, and I'll tell you your future. The people that you hang around. And, and I, I hang around two guys all the time. We hang all the time. We sound alike. I never said, hey, Joe, so much. Till I start hanging with Pastor Monty. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Now I'm saying, hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. What's up? Hey, Joe. It's like I say, why am I saying, hey, Joe? Because I hang with this joker. And every time he calls, hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. And the other brother, hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. My name ain't Joe. My name is James. Why do I do that? Because birds of a feather flock together. And so when we hang out with Jesus, he rubs off on us. So then we will see like he sees and we will speak like he speaks and we will love like he loves and we will touch like he touches, and we will walk like he walked. And Jesus was a man of compassion. And so what did he do? He looked out over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stoned the prophet, how I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathered her chick, but you would not. And he cried because they wouldn't come to him for salvation. When's the last time you wept because somebody rejected Jesus Christ? Sure hope you're crying for your family, the members that aren't saved. Most of us have written them off now because it's been 20 years and we talk to them. We don't even say nothing to them anymore because we tired them. Hmm. And so the first then is partnership. Then proclamation. It's partnership before proclamation. What did Jesus do? They learned more about what they saw Jesus do than what they heard Jesus say. And it was the modeling that made an impact for the message. Am I right about it? Yeah, because they didn't know how to serve each other. John 13, uh, they all went up and sat up and reclined. They didn't have a table. They laid down and reclined at a table. 
Everybody sat down. Jesus got up after everybody sat down. Want to make sure ain't nobody going to pull none of those. Oh, yeah, I was going to do it, you know, uh, but I just wanted to go back and come back. No, they all went by. You know it. You know it. I do it all the time. You know, they all went by, you know, so I'm going to see that stuff. I ain't washing nobody's feet. I just doubt it. I ain't doing it. None of them did it. Jesus got up and did it, and that made an impact on them. This is what you need to do. Then power. So partnership with Jesus. That's called fellowship. And then proclamation about Jesus. And then the last thing he gave them was power to perform from Jesus. So you got to be with him before you start talking about him and get power from him. Remember what he said to them? Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. Can I tell you something and move on? Say, tell us. If you ain't fishing, you ain't following. And the word follow, guess what? It's mimetes. It literally does, it does not mean like follow after me. Imitate me. Imitate me. Notice, secondly, the commitment of the soul winner. Look at verse 40 and 41. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first, he first, Notice the commitment of the soul winner. What's the commitment of the soul winner? Once you get saved, your first concern is for the unsaved. He accepted Jesus and said, wait a minute, my brother ain't saved. That heathen need to know Jesus. I'm going to find my brother. Now, this is rich. I'm telling you, this is rich. Because it says first, not second, first, not third. What did he do? He made it a priority. Now, here's what I noticed in Scripture. I wonder if you know this. Every time Andrew's name is named by itself, he's always bringing somebody to Jesus. Always. Okay, right here. Who's he bringing to Jesus? His brother. In John 6, who's he bringing to Jesus? The little boy of the fishes and loaves. It was Andrew that found him and brought him to Jesus. And so he brings somebody to Jesus for salvation. He brings somebody to Jesus for supply. And then remember, he brought um, John 12, 20 through 22. There's some Greeks that came to Andrew and said, we would see Jesus. And he said, these Greeks, they seek you. Yeah. That's Andrew. I wonder, do we have any Andrews in here? And so what happens? What happens? Remember I told you about my conversion? Some of you ain't never heard it, but some of you will remember. The guy who led me to Christ, Ray Reno, he made everything relate to Jesus. So I was selling drugs on the job. I didn't want nothing to do with him. And so uh, he saved my life. And, and when he saved my life, I said, man, you probably just saved my life or kept me from being maimed for life. He said, life? Did you know that Jesus Christ saved our lives? One day I'm in the cafeteria. I should have known that he was around because the cafeteria was empty. And it was a cold day. But everybody went outside anyway because when he came, he could empty the place faster than a supervisor. And so I'm sitting there. Then all of a sudden he sits down with that big old grin. Hi, how you doing? Doing fine. Well, what you got there? What you eating? It's called a sandwich. 
bread, meat, cheese, tomatoes, lettuce. Bread. Did you know that Jesus was the bread of life? Everything was Jesus, man. You know? <laughs> and so here it is now. He's committed to it. You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor Ford. And uh, yeah, sometimes maybe we can be a little cheesy as we share the gospel, but I hope that you're looking for opportunities, just natural opportunities, to share the love of Christ with somebody around you. And maybe as you've been listening to this broadcast, you're realizing that you don't know Jesus in the way that Pastor Ford talks about, and you'd like to know him. Well, I want to encourage you to call this number. Someone's there to talk with you, to answer questions, to pray with you, to introduce you to Jesus. The number is 1-888-NEED-HIM. Again, that's 1-888-NEED-HIM. Well, our message is called Each One Reach One. Let's get back to it. Here is Pastor Ford. I have to read this letter now. I brought two letters along. I've read both of them to you, but I want to read this one again. Some of you are hearing it for the first time. This is when communism was very big. This was in the 1940s when a uh, Billy Graham in 1982 revival, we shared this letter with about 80,000 people in the stadium. Listen to it. He was talking about commitment, and he was saying, you know, the weak commitment of Christians doesn't even match a communist. This is a letter of a communist young man who was engaged to a woman before he became a communist. But during the engagement period, became a communist. And now he wrote this letter to break off their engagement. Here it is. We communists have a high casualty rate. We're the ones who get shot and hung and lynched and tarred and feathered and jailed and slandered and ridiculed and fired from our jobs and in every other way made as uncomfortable as possible. I guess he never went down south in the 40s. A certain percentage of us get killed or imprisoned. We live in virtual poverty. We turn back to the party every penny we make above what is absolutely necessary to keep us alive. We communists don't have time or money for movies or concerts or T-bone steaks or decent homes and new cars. We've been described as fanatics. We are fanatics. Our lives are dominated by one great overshadowing factor, the struggle for world communism, all caps. We communists have a philosophy of life which no amount of money could buy. We have a cause to fight for, a definite purpose in life. We subordinate our petty personal selves into a great movement of humanity. And if our personal lives seem hard or our egos appear to suffer through subordination to the party, then we are adequately compensated by the thought that each of us in his small way is contributing to something new and true and better for all mankind. Hmm. Wow. There is one thing in which I am dead earnest, and that is the communist cause. It is my life, my business, my religion, my hobby, my sweetheart, my wife, and my mistress, my bread and my meat. I work at it in the daytime and dream of it at the nighttime. Its hold on me grows, not lessens, as time goes on. Therefore, I cannot carry on a friendship, a love affair, or even a conversation without relating it to this force which both drives and guides my life. I evaluate people, books, ideas, and actions according to how they affect the communist cause and by their attitude toward it. I've already been in jail because of my ideas, 
and if necessary, I'm ready to go before a firing squad. Therefore, I must break off our engagement because I'm married to the Communist Party. Wow. Here's a person that doesn't have the truth, amen? Amen. But is so totally committed, everything. And yet we have people in here who know the truth. And you ain't served the Lord. You tip rather than tithe. You've been praying about what you're going to do for five years, and God ain't said nothing to you yet. Let me give you CBC stats. Can I give you CBC stats? Here's our stats. Now, you know, uh, I don't keep up with membership because if I keep up with membership, then we'd have 10,000 members. (laughs) And I ain't lying. Uh, We have 800 people who attend our church, and we don't get them every Sunday. No, we don't. But 25% of our people only come one Sunday a month in any given month. You know what their favorite Sunday is? First Sunday. Why? Communion. I guess that makes up for everything, huh? (laughs) As long as I get that one Sunday in and get that communion. (laughs) And all you got is a cracker and some Welch's grape juice. That's all you have. It don't mean a thing to you. 25% don't obey. Hebrews 10.25. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. 66% don't attend Bible study. 66% 66% don't attend Bible study. It's a little higher now. 72% don't give at least 10% of their income to the Lord. 72%. 72%. The average in Christendom, according to George Barner, is 2.3%. And guess what? That's where we are. 2.3% if you average all the giving. That's pitiful. It is. I don't care what you say. That's pitiful. All the church want is my money. You don't say that when you go to Jewel. All the church want my money. You don't say that when you go buy a car, when you go buy an iPhone, pay $1,200 for an iPhone. Let me see. You pay more for an iPhone than what you gave to God all year. And then you wonder why you ain't blessed. (laughs) I'm telling you. Now, anybody know what the average is for unsaved people? For their charities, 4.7, almost double what that is, more than double what Christians give to eternal things. That's a shame. 65% are not involved in any ministry, 65%. And you wonder why we can't get anything done. You wonder why, uh, for example, I had a young family leave because they would come and bring their children to the nursery. Sometimes there wouldn't be anybody there. And there's a church that has nursery every Sunday. And so they said, well, you know what? We're getting the word. It may not be on the same level, uh, but we can sit and listen to the word and our children will be provided for and cared for. Said, hey, I'm not gonna argue with you. If that's what God's telling you to do, do what God's telling you to do. That's a shame. You got all these people. You got folk that's not doing anything. And 82% never get involved in corporate prayer. 82%. And we say, no prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. 
Much prayer, much power. Awesome prayer, awesome power. <laughs> yeah, okay. And so when you look at it, you know, I said, man, we, we ought to tell the truth when we sing. We don't sing these songs anymore, and, and that's okay. Uh, but anybody remember a sweet hour prayer? Anybody remember that? Anybody remember we love to tell the story? Uh, anybody remember we're marching to Zion? I, I just did some things where I said, I said, you know what? We might as well sing the truth. Uh, sweet hour of prayer and don't come to prayer meeting. We love to tell the story, but we never talk about Jesus, not the gospel, only the gospel. We're marching to Zion. We don't march to Sunday school. Amazing grace and we doubt our salvation. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing and we don't use the one we got. Why should he give us 999 more? Not to talk about him. Onward, Christian soldiers. We all from serving him. We ought to tell it like it is. Sweet seconds of prayer. I love to tell the gossip. I surrender some. Backward Christian soldier. I'm on the battlefield for my agenda. I need thee every Sunday. See, to know what direction your heart is going, watch your feet. Watch your feet. Because your feet tell you the direction. Let me ask you a question. Say, ask us. Because y'all ain't feeling me anyway. Y'all don't need to be done with this. Is your Christianity a hobby or a lifestyle? Some of us would have to say, it's a hobby, Pastor. It's a hobby. Third, third, third. Notice the compulsion of the soul winner. Verse 41, 45. Notice what it says. He first findeth. Look at verse 45. Philip findeth. This word findeth literally speaks of a compulsion. Like somebody that's hooked on something. I gotta find my brother. I gotta find the thing. It's a compulsion. Well, do you have somebody in your life where you just feel that compulsion to share the gospel with them? Well, I hope that's the case and that if so, you're acting on that. You know, there's no greater thing I think we can do than, as Pastor Ford would say, bring somebody to heaven with us. Well, you're listening to Treasured Truth, the message called Each One Reach One. And if you ever miss a broadcast in this series, come to our website. Listen there. It's at treasuredtruthradio.org. Now, Pastor, you've been uh, a senior pastor of a church for how many years now? 36. 36 years. And in those 36 years, I'm going to guess you've seen a reoccurring trend that during the summer months, giving tends to go down a little bit. We call it the summer slump. Well, that happens in Christian radio as well. And so during these summer months, the, the summer slump, we're going to ask listeners to really be intentional about supporting That's Treasure right. Truth and Moody That's Radio. That's right. Yes. Because, you know, uh, someone said that the word justification uh, means just a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Well, from our sin, yes, yeah, right. we've been liberated. Amen. Uh, but look, when you're going on vacation, uh, the lights still have to be paid. Yeah. Uh, the bills still have to be paid. When you go on vacation, you make provision for your house. Well, you need to make provision uh, for Moody Radio as well uh, because the bills continue to go on because the programming is still continuing to go forth. Yeah. And so we're grateful for the privilege and opportunity of having you during the summer help us to avoid the summer slump. Well, you can help right now by coming to treasuredtruthradio.org and click on the donate button. Again, that's at treasuredtruthradio.org. Thanks for doing that and for listening. Thanks also to our producer, Amy Rios. For Pastor Ford, I'm Steve Hiller. Treasure Truth is a production of Moody Radio. 
a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.